enough talking about entrepreneurship now i think i'll move on to another interesting aspect of werner which is you know werner as a writer so uh, you have written this book called job uh, disruption which talks about uh, you know robots and ai and digitalization taking people's jobs away and uh, you have written this book in a really interesting way you have given references to game of thrones and apocalypse and you have kind of uh, made it very interesting as you do in your speeches so uh, tell us about your book uh, job disruption so um my my Thesis of job disruption is not that a computer will take all jobs away. Yeah. So my main take away from the book is that um, many jobs will go away, but um, the, the essence out of it is that you have only very few winners, and most of the people will lose. And um, this is different from the past. But you see it today already when you take a look at the um, um, U.S. stock market. That, for example, Apple, Google, Facebook, uh, and so on are worth more than the complete German stock market um, combined. Yeah. And um, this is something which is unique because in the past there were people which had a lot of employees and um, they, they, they basically built up um, wealth but this is now different facebook has um, less than fifty thousand employees but has billions of customers and this is something which was never seen before and you will see it now in every sector you see it now in a few um, certain areas like like in the social media or in the tech market in general but you will see it over and over again also in other areas and that's basically um what why my book is describing how technology is changing sectors and um, what are will be um, basically, the um, what what is the end result? What is um, what what will what will happen when this happens um, to the people, to the society, to the different shop sectors? So, will somebody who is basically be a truck driver today? Um, how likely is it that he will have a different job in 10, 15, 20 years? Okay, so. Uh... So essentially, the whole system would be, you know, fundamentally changed in a way. So what does the future look like? I mean, if you have to give a, a description to someone who is not aware of uh, this job disruption idea, what does the future uh, look like in a very general and layman uh, form of way? So when you ask me personally, I would say we will have a great, good future. I think we will have more improvements. People will die less about um, medical issues. So, so you have more possibilities to do what, what you want to do. But on the other hand, when you are a person, which is, for example, a truck driver, um, yeah. or somebody who is working as a cashier in a supermarket, which are now the majority of the jobs, Meaning that uh, and so then this is where, where many, many people are working in the sector. But when this will go away, for example, like 
um, Amazon Go Store, which is completely without people um, and cashiers, and when you have self-driving trucks, then this jobs will go away. They will not move completely, so but they will reduce um, substantially, and that means that um, people need to 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 focus on new areas, meaning they need to find new talents where they are good at it. And um, for many people, this can be a really tough challenge because when um, when when a lot of people um, um, basically try to go in different areas, but um, there are other people who are better, and it's really frustrating for 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 for, for them. So. Um, what you see, for example, in America, that um, people attacking the self-driving cars because they are afraid that they will take over um, their jobs, and because um, when who am I when I'm not a truck driver or a taxi driver anymore? Um, how how yeah. should I um, get income for my family? Uh, what am I as a person when somebody else or something else can do it better? Okay, yeah. Uh, so also, uh, do you think uh, something like the universal basic income uh, plays a role in the future? Because, for example, a, a taxi driver maybe loses his job and then he doesn't have a means to sustain his family i mean that's what people who are not deep into these topics they they probably fear right that uh, these technologies will will replace their uh, replace them and you know they lose their jobs and uh, but then there are uh, concepts like uh, universal basic income which uh, even the presidential candidates uh, of us like uh, andrew yang uh, talk about uh, very openly. So, what do you think about uh, the possibility of universal basic income, and do you think it's a, a feasible strategy, uh, or do you think this is going to do more harm than good? Well, yeah. um, I think the universal basic income is a problem-solving machine, which is okay for some aspects so people get safety but there's another huge aspect which is not solved by this problem what you see in america for, for example or what you see it all over the world basically when people retire then people getting more depressed people um, um getting alzheimer and other diseases earlier when they retire uh, earlier, meaning there's a, a correlation between um, early retirement and early death. Oh. And and um, this is something which has a huge impact. When you put money uh, on people and say, hey, don't worry, don't work on it, and you don't need to work, here you have your money, and that's basically it, and then people will not be saved, yeah. basically. What you see in America, um, for example, is that the um, life expectancy is the first time less um, for children than for, 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 um, for, for their parents. And this is something you need normally. It was always the case, medicine improvement and people will live longer. But today, many people commit suicide, um, have addiction to drugs, and alcohol, and um, this 
relates that people are basically dying sooner. And this is a huge problem. When you just put money and give money to the, to the people, it doesn't help them because for many people, when they're doing a job, that's something who they are. And they identify themselves as, hey, that's something I'm good at. That's something where I'm useful, where people need me. And if you take that away from the people, that's really, really bad. And there is no easy solution to that. There's no, like, I will give them money and... Um, that that will help them so i think for for the people themselves everybody um, needs to basically know that something like this will happen in the next years that there will be fundamental change and i need to find a new role i need to find something which gives me meaning in life and if you don't do that then the chance that you are getting depressed and um, have a really bad time it's, it's really high. So um, that's basically my take on universal um, basic income. I think it's something which helps them and gives them security. But there's another huge problem which also needs to be faced. Okay. Yeah, yeah that's a really uh, interesting way of thinking about it because in a way when people think about work, then most of the people would think about money, right? The, money that they're uh, getting and if uh, you satisfy their monetary need by giving everyone a universal basic income then ideally everything should be okay but then there comes another aspect of it which is uh, the meaning that people derive from work so work gives uh, meaning to people's lives in a very important way as well and when you say that you don't need to work then you also take away the meaning as well. And and also in countries, in a lot of countries, also in Germany, uh, people who are jobless, they are given a, a set of income, right? Uh, yes. a, a, a basic income, a very, it's a mini version of universal basic income, if I can put it that way. And uh, so what do you think has been the impact of this kind of a thing uh, there must also be people who are misusing it and you know taking drugs and going in a wrong path and because they now don't have a meaning in their life so what do you, what take do you have about the you know uh, money that's given to jobless people so when when you ask the people um, the majority of them are saying they want to work, they want to have a job. To sitting at home watching um, television all day, it's maybe yeah. good in the first few days or weeks, but then there will be a point where they say, I don't know what I'm doing, I, I, I want to, 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 to have a job. And yeah. um, this, is, this, is, this is difficult. And also what you also see, there was um, basically, um, kind of election if you want to have universal basic income in Switzerland um, where people could decide do we want to have it or do we want not want to have it and many many people vote against them and that's also something what you what you see here that people who have a job 
are looking down at people who don't have a job and say, hey, this is, this is a person which is too lazy to work yeah. and, and stuff like that. And this is also a huge impact that people are socially isolated, meaning that when you don't have uh, a job, you are worth less than somebody else. And, um, and I think that's what, what I mean with that people need fundamental change their perspective on work. When, when uh, many people, uh, jobs which basically um, not existing anymore in the future, uh, and, and you saying, hey, this person uh, has no worth, that's really bad for society. But many people are thinking about something like that, that people are lazy and that people um, are basically themselves. Um, um, it's their own responsibility that they don't have a job. And um, I don't think this will be true in the future. I think that um, many, many um, jobs will be gone and um, it will be very hard for, for a lot of people. And I think it will be uh, harder for them when they have um, basically um, a lot of fulfillment from their personal life coming out of their job. And I think people yeah. need to adapt, may, maybe go to, to, to social um, um, meetings, basically um, doing something else, um, having um, clubs like, for example, Toastmasters, where you basically learn other things and um, you need to find new meaning in life when your job is going away. And the reason why I wrote the book is that when I talk to people, many saying, Okay, I can see that that robots are taking over in production and stuff like that, but I'm a graphical designer. Um, this is creative work. Uh, a robot will never, never, ever able to do that. And um, what I wanted to, to, to basically do is creating a whole um, summary of all jobs which are affected. So, so I want to give into details why a web designer is equally affected as somebody which is driving a truck or working in a bank. And because there's not only robots and artificial intelligence, there are more to it, but it's not easy to see from the outside. And um, I wanted to make that easy readable in that people were um, saying, this is something which will never happen to me, um, see why it can also happen to them. And I'm not a big fan of saying, okay, um, in, in 30 years, um, so many percent of the people won't have job anymore. So what I basically just did is say, I, I showed possibilities based on current technology, how this technology can have an impact on their job market. When this technology, which is used only in a small fraction, where, um, when this is used globally, um, what impacts could that have on this job? And so I looked at many different jobs and um, basically said, okay, this um, is, uh, is the technology, state of the art of the technology, and this is how the impact could go to. Okay, um, yeah, so what do you think are the uh, sectors that are going to be majorly affected by this, uh, you know, uh, this kind of job 
disruption so what are the major sectors of course you have talked about the sectors that are affected that in which you know people's jobs would be replaced in more detail in your book but uh, i mean giving a rough outline what are the major sectors you also talked about uh, how a web designer is equally prone to losing his job uh, as a production person for example so i i think um when you look at the past and uh, in the beginning of the 19th century most people worked in agriculture meaning um, they were farmers and basically um produced food something to eat and there was also discussion and they say hey um, um when when we have now big industries and uh, everybody can basically um don't need to be a farmer anymore the people will become unemployed and, and the same when the first atm machines came on the market then there were huge covers and say hey the robots are taking over the world and um basically um um so we will all are out of out of um, work and so it's very easy to say hey this didn't happen in the past so it won't happen in the future yes. and um i think there are fundamental differences right now because first of all we are all connected to 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 networks and machines are becoming way smarter in in regards of artificial intelligence and when you normally work in a job like um in an office where you basically um handling numbers and stuff like that there is no way that a machine can't do that in a few years so basically people who are sitting in front of a computer and doing office work is um hugely affected when machines become more intelligent and software become more intelligent and um you have also the possibility and that you get in a lot of data insights from a lot of data which is generated for example amazon is monitoring every mouse interaction when you click on uh, on a product how long you are watching the second when you're scrolling down every movement will be recorded and this data can be used to become a better insight of the person what the person wants to have probably yeah. better than a union and um um so so this is a sector where many people are working in in insurance for example just um putting on data collecting data and, and stuff like that and everything um is on danger that a machine can can take over because you see it in the small certain areas where you have basically pilots which are testing it and you see this 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 is pilot projects are successful and when this will be rolled out over complete um, europe or the usa this will be affected um, many many people and this is a huge difference between the past and and, and now is that um, every sector is basically um on danger there is only a very few rare exceptions like when you going to um, a hairdresser which is cutting your hair this person is very hard that the robot takes that over and cuts your mm -hmm. your hair but um this is only the exception most of the time you will always find some way how machine or software could take and do this task 
And so I, I, I won't go with probabilities and say, hey, this sector is, is, is the most um, risk it, because there, there's a lot of more to it, like regulations. When you have, for example, here in Germany, you don't um, really use Uber like it is done in the United States because of regulation. And regulations are a big part of it. Because when, when you have regulation, which say you are not allowed to do this and this and that, then it slows down innovation and technology. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so a lot of sectors, a vast majority of the sectors are going to be, you know, going to suffer from this impact. Uh, and interesting that you also bring about, uh, uh, bring out the word artificial intelligence and machines taking the jobs of people. Now, artificial intelligence is a term that is thrown around uh, very casually and mm -hmm. most people don't really understand what it means. People also have negative connotations of the word of this term from movies and all those things. How would you uh, define artificial intelligence? So, um... When, when you say that many people um, think about movies like Terminator or something like that, then um, people always estimate that an artificial intelligence has kind of a conscience or an objective or something singing on its own. And that's not what we have right now at the moment. We have in, in, in the broad majority of the cases something which is called narrow um, artificial intelligence, meaning you, you have something which is better than a human in, uh, in many cases, but only in a very, very, very small subject. Um, yeah. it, it can be, um, for example, finding out um, which background color something like that is or how many people are on, on a picture in a very um, fast way compared to a human. Or, finding out if, if there are cancer cells on, on an image. This is something um, artificial intelligence today can better than a human, but this artificial intelligence is not thinking like a human say, hey, this could be that. No, it's just statistical um, mathematical methods which are coming to a probability, and this probability is basically displayed. Uh, so essentially what when people talk about artificial intelligence and the implemented methods it's a very it's applicable to a very specific kind of a problem and not replacing a general set of capabilities of a human and uh, also it's not as the movies depict right it's it's the what the movies depict is pointing to artificial general intelligence which is probably not uh, feasible at this point. Uh, at what point do you think we'll achieve such a level of intelligence? Uh, or if you have any estimate of uh, the idea, will it be in the next 30 years or 20 years or 100 years? Uh, when do you think uh, such an artificial intelligence system could be there that people actually fear about? I mean, it's a thing that's really hard to estimate, but what's your rough idea about it? So, so to, to be a little bit more specific about the term artificial general intelligence, it's basically uh, um, artificial intelligence, which is as intelligent as a human 
being. So you yeah. can give it all, all, all kind of tasks and it will be as good as a human in this regard. And um, when you basically ask the brightest um, um, people in the subject, then they differ a lot from um, for the next 20 years to 90 years. So that's basically the, the, the span that people um, which basically developing and um, would say they are the, the, the top of the top of this class say this is basically the time frame. Um, so it could be anything in this in this direction, but um, it could be also roughly completely wrong. For example, when you take a look at the game Go, um, many many um, um, scientists and many people in the field of artificial intelligence would have said it would take another 10 years unless um, a machine is able to beat the best human player in Go. And um, this was done in, in 2016, so two, three years ago. So um, time can move very, very fast, but it can also take a lot longer. So it's really hard to pin, pinpoint it down. And um, it, it really depends on, on multiple things. Number one, how much data do we have? And number two, how much is our computing power? And these are the two factors um, which are really, really important in order to, 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 to make the right steps into that direction. Yeah, and uh, these two parameters that you talk about, data and computing power, is also uh, these two are the driving factors which have led to major advancements in narrow artificial intelligence in the past mm -hmm. as well. So, uh, also the narrow artificial intelligence or the artificial intelligence term that is used in uh, used widely is essentially just a statistical method right so it uses uh, techniques like machine learning uh, and other approaches so how is conventional computer science problem different from a machine learning problem like what is the uh, fundamental difference between how a narrow artificial intelligence system would be solving a problem and how you as a human would be programming to solve a problem what's the uh, basic difference. We, we can do that easily on a task. For example, you see pictures of pets and you want now to write a program uh, which identify is this object you see now a cat or not. And then a human way to do it is looking for specifics like the, uh, the, uh, the mouse uh, and so, 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 so um, how our cat is, is looking and for example the, the, the ears that they are uh, shaped uh, uh, in a specific way and you're looking for this um, specific pattern. Features. Meaning, so, uh, features you mean. Features, yeah, exactly. So you're looking for this features and you try um, to write a uh, a program which is looking for this feature and say, hey, maybe they are, they are um, when this and this characters are met, then it could be a cat. But sometimes only one ear is displayed or you see it from a different angle and then it's really hard to, to pinpoint it down software-wise because you need for every exception, you need to write something else. And that was 
um, the reason why um, the software in recognizing objects was really, really bad. 2012, so the, the, the fail rate was above um, 25%. So it was really, really high. So the best algorithm wasn't able to detect objects in a good way. And this changed with deep learning because deep learning is a completely different approach. So there is no programmer who say, hey, this tool could be implemented. Um, what you're doing in deep learning is basically you're giving uh, an algorithm hundred thousands of images of a cat. And um, this algorithm basically um, tries to find out the characteristics of the cat themselves. So you don't teach them, you say, Ivan, this is a cat, this is not, this is a cat. And so um, you, you try to, to give as many examples as possible. And then the algorithm is trying to create something um, own. And this, what is created, can use then to, to, to basically classify images. And this is then called a narrow artificial intelligence because it's not programmed, it's basically created. It's, it's also not really intelligent because we are not know how um, our human brain works. So yeah. um, it's just a simple, um, a simple way of, um, of trying to, to, to imitate how, how the human way is working, and, but we don't know how it's working. So we say um, we have neurons in our brain, so we just put them together and um, try, try to basically um, create something from that. And this, the, the, the science behind that is started in the 60s. So it's it's very old science. Um, so so, so, so these are not new concepts. But um, now we have enough data because everybody has a smartphone camera and can make pictures. And we have enough computer power to build these neural networks, which are basically used in order to classify images. And in 2012, deep learning was introduced basically as a method to do that. And it dropped down to 16%, meaning that the failure of accuracy dropped down from above 25% to 16%. And um, and from, from 2012 until now, it dropped more and more down. And mm. the human um, error rate is around 5%. And um, now the algorithms, are, I don't know exactly the numbers for 2020, I think around about 2% fail rate. And um, it's way better than a human in detecting um, uh, objects. But it also makes really, really big mistakes, mistakes a human never would do because it's not comparable with the human intelligence. It's only based on a lot of data and um, more data and more computing power. Yeah, so the fundamental difference between these two kinds of problems, uh, these two kinds of approaches for uh, a cat and dog classification problem, for example, is that for the uh, conventional programming approach you really have to define lots of features that you know uh, define that this is a cat but for a machine learning problem we just kind of uh, try to simulate our own neural neuronal network and uh, it 
it works because it works in our heads so we try to imitate it and then it finds these features these patterns itself but how it works nobody knows about that and uh, interesting that you also mention about uh, the huge amount of data set that is needed to train such a model so that it can you know uh, predict whether it's a cat or dog uh, at a very good accuracy that's uh, now getting better than uh, human accuracy even so why do you think uh, we need such a huge uh, data set for a deep learning problem whereas uh, if you have to ask uh, if you have to show a picture of a cat to a child uh, then you you just have to give him one example or or very few examples so why do you think this difference is mm -hmm. so um to that um in artificial intelligence always need millions of example is also not true in every aspect there is something which is called one-shot learning, um, which is um, an artificial intelligence trained very minimum amount of, um, of data in, in order to, 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 to get it. But a, a rough rule is um, if you have more data, uh, the better it is. So, so um, this is something um, um, which is basically the rough rule. If you have um, 10 times more data, then um, the algorithm doesn't, it's, it's not as important as the data. So, the, um, okay. so, so they, they, are, they are nice um, statistical um, 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 examples where people had less data, but um, really tweaked uh, on the algorithm and tried to improve it compared um, to have a lot more data and a lot more data won in this scenario most of the time. And okay. so um, because um, um, a human, um, human brain works completely different than uh, uh, artificial intelligence, it's, it's not really comparable. So. Um, this, this systems are working um, different, and because they are different, they need other aspects. In this case, more data, and that's uh, that's that's the reason why uh, more data is needed. Also, our brain is um, way slower than a computer. We don't also need so much computing power, but computing power is also something which is really needed in, in simplified um, neural networks and. Um, so, because they are fundamentally different from the brain, they, they use also different um, statistic, uh, different um, different kinds of rules. And, and for this, is you need more data and you need more computer power. Okay, so uh, the way our brains work is uh, we have no clue how our brains work essentially because uh, the way we actually identify cats and dogs uh, we only know one aspect of it that the neurons you know uh, they are striking together and creating connections but how these uh, neurons are finding the patterns how these are actually detecting the features we have no clue and probably there is a huge aspect of uh, how our brain works that needs to be studied so that uh, in the future, if we have more understanding of the brain, we can create uh, algorithms which work on lesser data set, probably. Uh, absolutely, yes. 
yeah so uh, talking about uh, artificial intelligence also uh, uh, you talked about the misconceptions of artificial intelligence how it is you know the uh, compared with movies like uh, terminator do you think there are also other misconceptions about uh, artificial intelligence uh, would you like to clear some of the misconceptions apart from this thing if, if there are any i think it's the main one is that um, that people are uh, expecting that is something which thinks like a human but what's not really um doing and so it's not thinking it's just um, um, mathematics, um, which are probably, uh, which which call, uh, which which basically weight prob uh, the probability of certain aspect, and it's also um, nothing to be feared. I, I mean, Elon Musk say, hey, um, um, artificial intelligence will basically destroy us um, one time. It can be nobody knows um, how the future will look like because when an artificial intelligence will become smarter than a human one day, it's very likely that it becomes way smarter in a very short period of time and um, so that we cannot control it anymore. And um, th that's basically the fear coming from that. But um, yeah, overall, when, when, when you don't compare it like to a human brain, more like a new intelligent um, computer program, it's probably better than intelligence.